0: My name is Alicia and today I am with an organisation that have been fighting human trafficking for over 14 years. It is really amazing to sit down here with you guys and would you like to introduce yourselves? Thank
1: you. So I'm Amy Harris, I'm the Fundraising and Relationship Officer at
2: Hope for Justice.
3: And I'm Adam Hewitt, I'm the Head of Digital and Communications at Hope for Justice.
2: And I'm Rachel Hartley, I'm the team lead at Slavery Alliance, which is the social enterprise owned by Hope for Justice.
0: So Adam, could you tell us a bit more about the work that you do here at Hope for Justice?
3: Yeah, so Hope for Justice is an international organisation. We work in 10 countries to help the victims and survivors of human trafficking and modern slavery. Uh, And some people do find it hard to believe that... People in our world today are still bought and sold and and traded on. People think it's a relic of the past, but it's not. It happens today. Um, Criminals who are profiting from the misery of other human beings. And, And one of the saddest things for me is the fact that almost all of us are contributing in some way, whether we know it or not, through things like the food we buy, the clothes we buy, things like cosmetics as well. The fact is that there are people living in, in modern slavery, in forced labour, in the supply chains of really big companies, really well-known companies as well. Um, the International Labour Organisation estimates that more than 16.3 million people are caught in these conditions, and that's what Hope for Justice fights against, uh, people living and working in these, these brutal conditions.
0: It's absolutely horrifying to hear. How, how would you say that people are profiting from it, and also how does someone end up
3: in modern day slavery? Modern day slavery is is all about human traffickers exploiting some kind of vulnerability. That, that's at the core of it. Exploiting a vulnerability for greed and profit. Um, they will manipulate kind of desperate or unsure people. They'll, they'll establish a bond of trust somehow through through false promises um, of accommodation or food or transport or just getting out of some desperate circumstance the person finds themselves in. Um, but then gradually that will become a form of control um, through manipulation, psychological or financial Um, and sometimes that is then coupled even with threats and and, and violence as well we do see sadly Um, threats to family as well, kind of back home uh, just to keep people in line uh, keep people feeling like they have to work in these conditions and it's important to know that people rarely self-identify as a victim of human trafficking or modern slavery, they'll often need the help of a charity like ours to really understand the, the the what's what's happening to them and just just kind of how bad it is and that there is help available.
0: So where do you wh- where do you start? What does Hope for Justice do to kind of help the, the situation and change it?
3: Yeah, so I mean it looks different in the different countries where Hope for Justice works. Yeah. Um which is across five different continents and, and many different kind of cultures and sort of tailored laws. to the needs, yeah. It is, yeah, exactly. Um so for us it starts with preventing exploitation and that can mean a lot of different things. It can mean uh, helping families and communities economically to avoid things like family breakdown, which is a, a really major risk factor for children being trafficked and exploited in particular. It can mean training and awareness so people can spot the signs of modern slavery, human trafficking in their own communities, know what to do, who to report it to. Um, and in some cases it can even mean intervening before the worst happens. There are times where we've had reports, before somebody has said said yes to that offer that was too good to be true, we've managed to get in and, and help them before that. Mm. And then linked to all this prevention is, is our other strains of work around rescue, directly helping victims, uh, restoration, so that's aftercare, trauma-informed, safe shelter, and helping people grow into new opportunities and freedom. And then reforming society because that's, that's ultimately how we'll stop modern slavery. It's yeah. not about individuals, it's about societies, it's about governments and business and what we all do together and not tolerating this clime, crime anymore. So it, it does, ultimately, our work comes back to people. Yeah. That's the really important thing. It's people's own circumstances. Um, and yeah, most of our work day to day is helping people out of these circumstances.
0: Yeah. And what kind of dangerous circumstances do you, do you find people in? What kind of situations?
3: Some of it is, is really horrifying. We, we, we've, we help children and adults, but some of the cases with children are you know, p- particularly heartbreaking. There's, yeah. um, we've helped children as young as four or five years old who are living alone on the streets and then being targeted by traffickers for profit. They, they, they'll force them into sexual exploitation, they'll force them into dangerous work in, in factories or mines. Um, and it's it's really brutal what happens, sometimes whole families are targeted and kept there for generations through, through what's called debt bondage. Um, fortunately we, we run these lighthouse centres as we call, as we call them which are uh, safe shelters where children who come out of these circumstances can get good food, um, trauma-informed care and counselling uh, kind of good opportunities and education for the future, and just somewhere where they can be cared for and, and have a normal childhood um, and get to be a get to be a child enjoying playtime with other children. Um, because you know, no child should ever experience these things. It's it's really horrifying.
2: It's horrendous. Mm. Uh, yeah, you're, you're so right, Adam, as well. And um, you mentioned earlier about you know the, the clothes that we buy and the food that we eat. And the supply chains that sit behind these products are so complex, they're so vast, and they rely on the labor of millions of people globally. Um, and unfortunately, these supply chains are rife with exploitation, labor exploitation, possibly with child labor, the risk of modern slavery. And for businesses, you know, some of them are unknowingly complicit in this. They're not doing enough to be aware of these risks to understand them to find them but unfortunately we do have the businesses that are knowingly complicit they're turning a bit of a blind eye to some of these practices because ultimately they profit off that Adam talked about you know how traffickers profit fortunately businesses can play a similar role and they do make a profit off this exploitation, that's important for us to realise as well. Um, And particularly when it comes to the clothing industry, we have to think about the sheer quantities that are being produced and some of the prices that are being charged to consumers, and that can't happen without the risk of exploitation.
0: It's, uh, it's, uh, it's so true. Uh, what about these companies, these brands and these businesses
2: what is, what is being done to hold them to account? Mm. It's a really good question and you know thankfully there's a positive side to it as well. there are some businesses who are taking the right steps to address these risks trying. They're, mm. they're trying really hard they're leaning into it they're trying to understand really how this works in their supply chain and they recognize that this can't be fixed overnight as well mm. um, and hope for justice you know they, they saw this opportunity opportunity as well and the gap here to really help those businesses and that's why they started Slave Free Alliance. So though Hope for Justice has been around you know over 14 years doing their great work, Slave Free Alliance is four years old Um, and for those four years we've been partnering with businesses to help them understand those risks, to help them address those risks and build their resilience to the infiltration of traffickers as well. But the truth is we can never guarantee a slave-free supply chain. It's really unobtainable, unfortunately. This issue is always changing, it's evolving, the practices develop, and businesses need to continually respond and understand that that risk is always present in some form or another. So that's where SFA comes in. We act as an extension of their business and help them um, understand these sorts of risks and address them. And has it been uh, difficult getting these brands uh, on board, all
0: these fashion brands and houses? Because it, it actually sounds like a really useful full tool for any business to have.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, It's not without its difficulties, definitely. I've worked in the fashion industry for over six years um, and seen a lot of different approaches, different methods, attempts at different things, and some have got it right and some haven't. Um, it has been difficult because I think businesses sometimes see this as uh, exposing potentially their weaknesses or exposing them to public scrutiny when they really need to see it as an empowering agenda, that they're leaning in, looking at these risks, how people might be harmed in their operations and their supply chain and doing something about it. It's yeah. a good agenda to be a part of. Mm. Now, the fashion industry has had great progress. It's probably for further ahead than most other industries but we've still got big problems mm. so there's still a lot for us to do but you know the the fashion industry it responds to its consumers the consumers control the narrative a lot of the time and they flex with them so our buying power as consumers yeah. you know we all have it here as well is really important yeah. and we can channel that in the right way and we can hold those brands to account on this agenda as well and where we choose to spend our money
0: yeah well I mean I, I haven't bought any newly produced clothes for two and a half years Amazing. so I am <laughs> all on board with you guys and you know when I started just buying vintage in second hand it was it was as a start purely mm-hmm. for the environment and it wasn't until afterwards when I sort of started reading up about it more when when I realized yeah. uh, exactly what you're talking about as well that the workers in a lot of these fast fashion brands are are working under horrible circumstances, mm. and I, I don't I don't see myself starting to buy a newly produced very soon. But you know, I think it's for for everyone. Just just as you mentioned as well, that reading up on the companies that you decide to purchase fashion from. Um, just look into what they stand for is, is, is an amazing start.
2: Yeah, and you've got it spot on. You know, we, we can all do our little bit with yeah. choosing where we spend our money. And as consumers, we need to hold those brands accountable. Yeah. So when we're buying- It's time. It is, it really is time and we can ask the questions, you know, do you know where your factories are around the world? Do you know who's making your clothes? These are people. I think some of these industries get so dehumanised because we just see products. But these are made by people with their hands and that's really important to remember as well Um, and with the business you know do they have a corporate responsibility agenda where they're looking at their impact on people and the Mm. planet do they put things on their website but Mm. beyond that are they not just talking the talk but is there action behind it as well is there substance to what they're saying Mm. and what can they show for it is really important There's also some really good um, brand ranking platforms in the fashion industry as well. So two of my favourites are the Fashion Transparency Index Mm -hmm. and um, an app called Good On You. And they can help guide you as a consumer as to where you should put your money as well and shop with brands who are standing for a more ethical agenda. There are ways
0: to to educate yourself, basically. We've
2: just got to take that little bit of time to do it, really, is, is all we need. But... Like you said, Alicia, you know, there is so much good quality clothing already there. Good yeah. quality clothing lasts a very, very long time. It's not designed to be disposable. And we don't have to keep buying new, you know, shopping secondhand and um Renting, which is a growing industry as mm-hmm. well, and also upcycling what yeah. you have are really good ways to avoid you know, getting into the cycle of newness yeah. as well. Yeah.
0: Exactly, guys. We don't need to fall into the trap of buying brand new stuff constantly that we probably will only wear a few times before throwing it out. Um, and it's so important to know that whether we can make a difference in supporting victims. You don't have to be the owner of a multi-billion industry, a fashion house, to change lives. You can just do, you can just do something with what's in your hands. Just doing your little bit makes a such big difference. And one of my favorite sayings, no one can do everything, but everyone can do something.
2: Absolutely, and you're, you're so right with that as well. And I think one of the things that I'm particularly proud of amongst our organization is the work that we're doing um, with businesses to address yeah. the risk of exploitation of refugees that they have at the moment with Ukrainian refugees. Um, and this risk is in their EU supply chains, also in their Central Asia supply chains. So at SFA, we're working really hard with our partners to get them to understand that, you know, refugees have got a very fragile status. You know, they struggle to get visas, work permits, bank accounts, you know, some of the standard things you need to get a safe job. Mm. And we really want our businesses to support Safe employment and look at that risk of child labour, look at that risk of exploitation of adults as well. Um, But it's a really complex situation, so we need businesses involved. They have to have a seat at the table, they've got to be aware of this. They hold a lot of power in that space as well, and it's such an important agenda. Um, But at the same time, we've got the amazing work that Hope for Justice are doing directly with refugees that are fleeing Ukraine.
1: Yeah, and thankfully, we're not the only anti-trafficking organisation that are actually doing something about the conflict in Ukraine at the moment. I think the response that we've taken as a sector has been fantastic. It's been so collaborative. And at the moment, at Hope for Justice alone, we're working with multiple anti-trafficking organisations, including the British Red Cross, to actually make materials about... That's amazing. It really is, because these materials are raising awareness about what modern slavery is and what the signs of modern slavery are which means that when we're getting them to the borders where they're most needed and making them where they're accessible, it's allowing those fleeing the conflict to look out for what the signs are. Mm. And that's really vital because it means that with that knowledge, they're less likely to be, be manipulated by traffickers and the response that our team has taken in the UK so our programs team have been absolutely incredible. Um, A lot of them are actually volunteering their time with uh, homes for Ukraine and they're going to be carrying out home visits um, for the houses that are going to be hosting those fleeing the conflict in the Ukraine as well. Mm. And I hope you don't mind me saying but I've actually heard that you have taken in some people from Ukraine.
0: We do. We we, we did. My family did back in Sweden. I I think for us, it was, it was a, an obvious choice to be able to do the little we can. It was actually my brother who worked with this family in Ukraine for years ago. So we've, we've known them for a few years. So uh, we, we helped them to get, um, if they could get across the border, we helped them with, with the flights and everything to get safely to Sweden. Uh, And that feels amazing Mm -hmm. because I couldn't think of a better purpose for for the family farm to Mm -hmm. be used for, you know.
1: And that really is amazing because it goes back to what you were saying before in that not everyone can take massive actions but everyone can just play their part. Just just something, yeah. Exactly. exactly. And in your case you were able to do that and that's absolutely fantastic. And we know that neighbouring countries really are doing all that they can to provide safety and housing to those who are fleeing the conflict in the Ukraine, and that's absolutely fantastic. But take, for example, initiatives like Homes for Ukraine, that's been fast-tracked, and what that means is that a lot of the safeguarding checks that usually would have been done with an initiative like that, haven't been done this time Mm. so for example those with criminal convictions are able to host individuals in their houses but minimal safety checks are being done on that Mm, and when we consider the fact that the majority of those fleeing the conflict are women and children it really does raise a lot of concerns for us and that's why we're working really really hard at Hope for Justice to make sure that we're mitigating those risks as
0: much as we can. Well, you are doing an absolutely amazing job. And thank you so much for sitting down with me today and teaching me about all of these things and and teaching everyone out there that's watching. Thank you, everyone that's watching. And uh, think about everything that we've discussed. Think about where you put your money. Think about what you're buying and what kind of businesses you are actually supporting out there. And if you want to find out more, like How to Spot the Science of Modern Day Slavery, please visit the website to find out more at Hope for Justice. And thank you.